You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So I read the story about this bar owner in a small Texas town, and he wanted to enlarge his bar in order to accommodate more patrons. And a local church in the community became concerned about it, and they began to pray against the, uh, the adding on to the bar and making it bigger. And it didn't look like that their prayers were being very effective, except until the week before the reopening. And the bar burns to the ground. And so some of the church members are kind of boastful about their prayers being heard until he files a lawsuit saying that they were responsible for the demise of his building. And so in the legal documents, they argued they had nothing to do with it. And so when the judge reads all of the legal documents, he says, I think I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place because I think what I'm reading is that I have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a congregation who does not. So we're talking about doubt today. But what we're really talking about is faith, right? Because that's where we're going with this conversation that we have. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9 about a guy who has a son. And his son has convulsions, the Bible says. He can't talk and he can't hear. And so the guy brings his son to Jesus. And he says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cast this spirit out of him. And then the guy says to Jesus, if you can, help us. And Jesus says to the guy, did you say, if I can? (laughs) And then Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. Do you believe? Would you be one who would say, I believe. I was talking to a lady this week who attends our church who really needs healing. And she says to me, so Pastor Rick, faith is a tricky thing. Sometimes God heals. And sometimes God heals through medicine and medical treatment. And sometimes God chooses not to heal. And she raises her eyebrow at me and says, Faith, Pastor Rick, is a tricky thing. You know what the guy says to Jesus? You know what he says? I believe. (laughs) And then he says, Help my unbelief. I believe. At least I want to believe. I think I believe. I believe I believe. But there's definitely unbelief around here. I mean, it's my desire to believe. I want to have faith. I want to be strong. But I'm dealing with unbelief too. Do you hear the tension? Do you ever have that tension in your own life? Where you say, no, I'm a person of faith. I believe. But man, there's unbelief. And so what about unbelief and what about doubt when it comes into our lives? 
So we're going to talk about it today in this series called Failure and Doubt and Disappointment, Why the Resurrection Changes Everything. And I'm excited to share with you another post-resurrection story, okay? And it is from the Gospel of John chapter 20. If you'd like to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 20. And I'll start reading with verse 24, okay? We'll get the words on the screen for you as well. John 20, beginning with verse 24. Written by a guy whose name is John, who was a disciple of Jesus. His father was Zebedee, his brother was James, his mother was Salome, and he was an eyewitness of all of Jesus' miracles and teaching. And so when he writes, he really writes about what he experienced. And so when he writes about what happens with Thomas... John was there. He saw it firsthand, okay? So here's what it says. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, And put my fingers where the nails were. And unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And so a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. And so Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, there's this exclamation point. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then I love this, okay? This is all about faith. You ready? So Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So I pray for God's blessings on his word for us today. Amen. I remember on one of my last trips to Guatemala, uh, my friend Tommy said to me, I really want uh, you to visit an orphanage before you leave this time. It's an orphanage I go to on a kind of a regular basis and, and I would love for you to, to go and, and, and the team of people that are with you. And so I said, well, if we can, we'll go. So one afternoon we carved out some time and he said, we're not going to do any project, we're not doing any work, we're just going to go hang out with the kids. I just want you to play with the kids, that's it. And so when our bus pulls into this orphanage, in this third world country, the gate shuts behind us and the door opens and we start to get off the bus, kids come running from every direction. And they just run at you and jump up into your arms and once you get them in your arms, they just latch their arms around your neck and they don't let go. I mean, their their desire is, I'm just going to be with you as long as you're here. And so, it was a lot of fun. We played games, but there was just always this group of kids, not one kid, but a group of kids who was trying to just get as close to you as they could and get their arms around your neck. Kids are climbing onto your back. I remember saying to one of my friends, 
Hey, did you meet Hugo? And he said, meet Hugo. Hugo has ridden me like a rented mule all day long. That's what it was like. I remember leaving there a little messed up. And the reason I left there a little messed up was because the leaving was not what I expected. I hug these kids and I'm telling them goodbye, especially the ones that were latched on the tightest for the most part of those three hours that we were there. And I'm thinking when I tell them goodbye, they're going to hate to see me go and they're going to walk away slowly and keep turning back and waving. And I tell them goodbye and they take off running. Nobody looks back. Because up until this point, everybody in their life has left and not come back. I thought about the way I was raised. I thought about the way my daughters have been raised. In a home where there was always enough food and enough comfort and lots of security and lots of safety. And I look back at that experience and all it does is it screams to me, unfair! (laughs) This is just not fair! Before we left Cincinnati, some people that we loved a great deal left Cincinnati to live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And so when we moved to Oklahoma City, they came over to see us and they came over again to see us. We love them. They're great people. They have three little boys. Their middle little boy, Jace, rather, J-A-C-E, he is only six years old. And this week we learned that Jace has lymphoma. Six years old. I got got this list of people on my phone. And in the mornings when I get up and I pray, I go to this list. And I begin praying for these people. And lots of them. Lots of them attend our church. Some of them are fighting cancer and some of them are fighting illness. And some of them are going through major relationship issues. Some of them have been abused. Some have been abandoned. It's just not fair. Do you think... Do you think these are the seeds that grow doubt in our lives? I'm not trying to question God. I'm just saying I'm doing the math and it doesn't add up. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to act like I know everything. I'm just saying that when I do the math and I look around me, life does not add up. And so I opened the Bible this week to John chapter 20 and I start reading the story about a guy whose name is Thomas. His name is Thomas in Aramaic. His name is Didymus in Greek. Both mean the word twin. Thomas is known for something. So when I say the name Jesus, the first word that comes to my mind is Savior. Given the name Jesus because he will what? Save his people from their sin. When I think of the word Peter, the first name that comes to my mind or the first word that comes to my mind is rock. When I think about Judas, the first word that comes to my mind is betrayal. When I think about Thomas, the first word that comes to my mind is doubt. I don't want to be known for doubting. And so Thomas has this struggle in his life. The, the thing that, that, that I, 
I'm concerned most about is this. If anybody should have been a person of faith, it should have been Thomas, right? I mean, think about it. Thomas, Thomas was the guy who was with Jesus when all of those miracles were performed. He saw Jesus do things that defied human explanation. I mean, Thomas was one of the disciples that was involved when Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a couple of people of fish, a couple of pieces of fish, and a couple of loaves of bread. Thomas, for heaven's sakes, is one of the guys who is passing the baskets around. He's one of the guys who collects the leftovers. Thomas is with Jesus when he heals the guy who had been crippled from birth. And Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. And all of a sudden, these crippled legs begin to have muscles and they begin to have strength. And the guy stands on his feet and he starts running. And the Bible says, he jumps. Thomas was there when Jesus spit on the dirt and he makes mud. And he puts it on this blind guy's eyes. And he says, go wash. And the guy washed and he came away seeing Thomas was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Thomas heard Jesus talk about his own resurrection. I will be killed, but on the third day I will be raised to life. Thomas bought in. He was all in. Do you remember this one occasion when the disciples said to Jesus, You can't go to Judea because they will want to stone you? And Thomas said, Then let's go and let's die with him. I'm all in. What happened? So if you could sit down with Thomas, I've got a feeling the conversation would go something like this. I was in the garden when they arrested him. I watched from a distance when they whipped him. I stared at the puddle of blood on the ground and wondered how a human being could still be alive. I watched him put him on the cross. I watched him cry out to God, Why have you forsaken me? I watched him die on that cross. I watched them take what was left off the cross. And I watched them bury it in a tomb. Yeah, I heard rumors that someone had stolen his body. And I heard the disciples say they had seen him. But I didn't know what I believed anymore. So I have a good friend whose daughter was killed when she was nine years old. It was this crazy accident. And he said, when she was killed, Rick, there was about a year in my life where I didn't know what I believed anymore. Are these some of the seeds that grow doubt in our lives? When you're a, when you're a dad of two girls, um, people show up at the dinner table. I suppose it's that way when you're a dad of boys, right? And you like it. You get to know them, and some you get to know better than others. And uh, some of them become part of your lives. 
couple of years ago, this one little girl started showing up at our house, and, and I remember saying to Annette one night after dinner, I said, uh, she's a mess. I said, she's, she's a lot of fun. If she's around, you're going to laugh, aren't you? And Annette says to me, oh, Rick, I forgot to tell you. We have to pray for her. And I said, why? And Annette said, she doesn't believe. I said, what do you mean she doesn't believe? Annette said she was raised in church and she had a Christian family, but she doesn't know what she believes about God and she doesn't know what she believes about Jesus. I'm telling you, she doesn't believe. I remember this one friend that I've had for years and years. He said to me one time, he says, I'm envious of you. And I said, why are you envious of me? He said, because believing is not hard for you. Believing has always been hard for me. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, okay? Is doubting wrong? Is doubting bad? Is it a sin to doubt? When you doubt, does it disappoint God? Does doubting break the heart of God? Let me ask you questions from the other side of the conversation, okay? Is it ever necessary to doubt? Is doubting ever important to the forming of our faith? I think I'm trying to challenge you that there is a vast difference in the idea of rejecting truth and searching for truth. Big difference. A lack of faith does not mean there's not a desire for faith. So growing up in this small town and going to this Nazarene church, we used to sing. And I think I learned a lot about what I believed through the songs that we would sing. And I remember questioning some of those songs. And I remember this one song that we would sing. It was called Higher Ground. And I remember the chorus went like this. um, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. Kind of a unique word picture there, isn't it? Stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. But there was this one verse, and here's what it said. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. And I think I'm okay with those words. I don't want to stay in the world of doubting. I don't want that to be my permanent home. But would you understand if I said, I think everybody has to pass through there. At some point, you've got to decide what you believe. For yourself. Not what your mama believes. Not what your daddy believes. 
But at some point in your life, you've got to decide what it is that you believe with all of your heart. And you're putting your whole life on it. So what do you believe? Faith that has not been tried, is it faith at all? Faith that has not been tried, is it really faith at all? And so a week later, after Thomas has made this statement that unless I've put my fingers where the nails were and see with my eyes, and unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe a week later, Jesus shows up. And although the door was closed, he appeared to the disciples. And although the door was locked, he stood among them. And he says to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. Look with your eyes. Put your hands here. And it's interesting to me that John doesn't say whether Thomas did it or not. It just says that we have this great confession. My Lord, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Adonai. My Lord and my God, you are the God of gods. You are the Lord of lords. You are God. You understand the resurrection changes everything, even in the midst of our doubts. So, let me think with you for a minute, okay? And I think I've been asking you to do that some this morning. Um, would it be going too far? Would it be going too far for you? Could you be comfortable with this? Would you be okay if I said, do you think this is true? Do you think that God gave Thomas what he needed in order to believe? Is there any way you would be okay with that? Did God give Thomas what he needed in order to believe? And if he did, does he not love you as much as he loves Thomas? And would he not be willing to give you what you need in order to believe? I guess a few years ago, I made a decision that God was built in such a manner that He could handle my honesty. And I've determined that the best prayers that I pray are the prayers where I'm completely open and honest with God. And this week, as I've been praying for this little six-year-old boy named Jace, I've been pretty honest with God. You following me? I think many times guilt is mingled with doubt. I feel guilty for not believing, which adds to more concern, and the thing kind of grows inside me like a cancer. And I think what we must do, like Thomas, is confront our doubt. There's this wonderful concept called revelation. This complex concept called revelation where God makes Himself known. And if Jesus comes and reveals His resurrected body to Jesus, I believe that God will reveal Himself and make Himself known to you. I believe in the concept of revelation. God makes Himself known. 
And so I think when you come to God and you're honest with Him, God reveals Himself to you. Stephen Jobs, the uh, wizard of Apple, who brought us the iPod and iPhone and iPad and died in 2011, just three years ago. He died as a result of a bout with uh, pancreatic cancer. His biographer tells the story about being with Jobs in his backyard in the garden area one day at his home. And he says he started talking about God. And Jobs said, sometimes I believe in God. Sometimes I don't. And then he said, I think maybe it's 50-50. But ever since I've had cancer, I've been thinking about it more. And I find myself wanting to believe. Maybe it's because I want to believe in an afterlife that when you die, it all just doesn't disappear. And he said, then he paused for a second and said, Yeah, but sometimes I think it's just like an on-off switch. Click, and you're gone. He paused again, and then he said, I guess that's why I don't like putting on-off switches on Apple devices. Not long after that, he died. I don't know when I'm going to leave this world, but I find no comfort in leaving this world with an idea that says, I think it's 50-50. I want to know what I believe. And there's this wonderful, complex concept that we call revelation. Where that just as Jesus gave Thomas what he needed. And revealed to Thomas his resurrected self. God makes himself known to us. And will give you what you need. I would like us to to sing a, a prayer together. And so I'm not going to ask you to stand yet. I'm just going to ask you to sing with me this song. Um, you know, probably it's okay if you do stand. You want to get up with me? That's probably okay. I think we sing better. And so it may be this morning that you want to respond to the sermon. And maybe you would say, I'm a Thomas. (laughs) I've always kind of been a Thomas. And I struggle with doubt. I don't talk a lot about it to people, but maybe I I should confront it. Um, 
maybe I should face this thing. Maybe God would give me what I need. Maybe God would reveal himself to me. Maybe this morning that you would say, Rick, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ follower. I'm not forgiven of my sin. I have not experienced this life transformation that people talk about where Jesus just changes you. I remember when Jesus changed me. I thought different. I lived differently. Everything was different. All of my life seemed different. Jesus changed me. And if this morning you're saying, I I want that in my life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want Jesus to change my heart from the inside. I mean, just transform my life. We don't believe it's just this matter of, I'm going to get forgiven of sin. We're talking about transformation. We're talking about being born again. I pray for a lot of people here, and I know a lot of people are going through some hard, hard times. And if this morning you want to come and, and pray about those hard times, you're welcome to come and pray that about that as well. Or if maybe this morning you need physical healing, there'll be a pastor here and there'll be a pastor here and they would be glad to anoint you and pray for your physical healing. Maybe you just want to come and get on your knees and praise God because He is God. And He has given you faith. So let's pray this prayer together. And if you want to come here to pray, uh, feel very welcome. You can pray where you are or you can come and you can pray here. Not meaning you're becoming a member of the church. I'm just finding a place to pray. So let's sing.
Father, give us faith. And I pray for the person who is among us this morning that needs faith the most. Reveal yourself. Make yourself known. As you did for Thomas, do it for this person today, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to pray as long as you like. Kyle will lead us in worship. You can stay as long as you want. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.